Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Welcome, foolish mortals. Amigos, amigos down there. It is me up here. Howdy, folks. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the train and remain seated at all times. If smaller aviators don't measure up to the height indicator on the seat, just put the belt through the loop in the center strap before buckling. That's worked out. We know what our goals are. We know what we hope to accomplish. And believe me, it's the most exciting and challenging assignment we've ever tackled at Walt Disney Productions. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Diz Live Podcast. Thank you for being a part of our Disney Lives here on the Chip and Company Podcast Network. My name is Mark Valentine, and I am the host of Diz Life Podcast. Join us weekly as we discuss the very best of Disney parks, resorts, dining, and beyond. And don't forget, smash that subscribe button to access more incredible audio content from the Chip and Company Podcast Network. Just a reminder, head over to chipandco.com for the latest headlines from across Disney parks worldwide. And don't forget to give our show a rating and a review over on Apple, Spotify, or even Podchaser. On today's podcast, we're doing a trip report on our 10-day Disney vacation at the Grand Floridian and the Bay Lake Tower. We're breaking down Disney first takes and playing Disney's College of Knowledge. But first things first, let's welcome back to the show one half of the dynamic duo that is United We Fan, the podcast, Ahsoka Stan, but wait, he's no Jedi, Brian, Joe Yowzali, Brian, you know what I missed on this last trip? I didn't get to see the Lee family. We missed you in the Orlando area, my friend. How are you doing? Man, this is the first time you've been down since we moved, and that was a giant bummer going, oh, Mark's here. Oh, wait, I'm not there. Never mind. <laughs> it was sad. I know. We, well, we got together with so many Dislifers. And I looked at Linda, I think it was maybe after we were there for five or six days, you know, and I go, you know, Lynn, I'm not going to text him and make him feel even worse, but I'm depressed right now. She's like, why? I'm like, no, Brian, no kids, no Christmas. I could feel it. I could feel it. it was I, bad. yeah, I felt it, man. Like we, you needed to be there riding rock and roller coaster with piano Rob and me. Rob even said, he goes, man, this has become our tradition. He goes, do you realize that this week, every year we do this? And he's like, three years running, we've done this. And I'm like, yes. He's like, this is the thing. I'm like, it's a thing. And I go, but we're missing Brian. We got to get Brian back. So next he, year, I'll send, you, I'll send you my Tom Holland collage shirt this so you can at least wear it around. And please, it'll be like there in spirit. <laughs> please do. All right. We've got a huge trip report to get into. But before we do that, man, let's do this. We skipped it last week because I was in Disney. And there's a lot of news that's been breaking. So we got to get it back into Diz Life First Takes. And now it's time for Diz Life First Takes. First Takes. These are the headlines that are going to get you talking this week. First Takes. We here at Diz Life Podcast are giving you the first word on Disney news and parks headlines. First Takes. So here's what's firing off this week over at Chip and Company. First Takes. All right, man. Yeah, we missed out on these last week. It's hard to report the news when you're just not around. You know what I mean? Hey, man, you were right about a uh, hundredth 
year anniversary merchandise coming out though. So you nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> hey, listen, I am like Disney, Disney Nostradamus. I have this weird power of prediction. I don't know how it happens, but uh, Greg used to tell me all the time. I was like, yeah, watch Merritt is going to go. She's leaving. And that's where you're going to get Mirabelle and Bruno and voila. Like it happened. I think I've done it like four or five times now that it's, it's freaky. Did we know about Bruno? Cause I just learned about Bruno. We, I know we don't talk about him, but I didn't know he was going to be part of the meet and greet. They didn't say that. They just put out a casting call for a Bruno. Person. I thought it was been officially announced that Bruno will be there. Is that? He, no, it I, has. No, it's okay. been announced. Okay. Oh no, no, it has been announced, but they didn't mention that he was going in that spot. I just was like, yeah, that's where he's going. And again, voila, Disney Nostradamus strikes again. All right, man. Um, so we are not actually going to start with Disney. We're going to start with a park that we seldom, if ever, talk about. And that's going to be SeaWorld because SeaWorld, Aquatica, and Discovery Cove, they are going cashless starting on August 30th. Now, why do I bring this up? Because most people are going to be like, wait, Mark, but you're a Disney podcast. You are. But we also are tethered to Chip and Co. And this is a story that I can see it just dropped and already people are weighing in. It has become a huge headline. But if you're planning on going to SeaWorld Orlando, you're going to need to bring another payment method other than cash because starting on August 30th, which is only three days from now, we're recording this on Sunday, SeaWorld parks are going to go cashless. So the cashless system is going to be in place, again, for SeaWorld Orlando, Aquatica, and Discovery Cove. So how do you pay for things? Well, mobile payment and card payments are going to be the only methods accepted at all park locations, including restaurants, retail stores, games, ticket windows, and ticket toll booths. Bush Gardens and Adventure Island are also going cashless. The parks share the same parent company. So this is generally going to result in similar policies between all of these locations. But already people have taken to social media uh, in an uproar and a protest of them switching up what kind of legal tender they will or will not accept. Now, Brian, I don't know like what the legalities of this are, but what are your thoughts? I work in the sports entertainment industry. This has been the norm since COVID, really. Um, I do expect SeaWorld. I don't think Disney's going to be that far behind them. Legoland has been cashless since COVID as well. Um, I think there's going to be some sort of reverse ATM option that they're going to be able to do where you can purchase that. You can insert your money into the machine and then it's going to give you a card that is basically the same thing. What it really makes a difference for is the international traveler because you get charged for, um, just like usage fees, basically every time you use your card, if you're traveling internationally. So I think that's where it's going to be kind of the biggest thing as far as, from that standpoint, it's safer. It's a million times safer for everybody. And it's a time saver. There's all kinds of reasons why they would want to do this as a business. Um, and like I said, I, I work in an industry where this has been the norm now for the last three, four years now. So I get it and I deal with it every so often, but I mean, cash still legal tender, but they're going to give options. I think, like I said, that reverse ATM where you insert cash and it's going to pop out basically a gift card. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, maybe this is just the history teacher in me, but legally, these places still have to, by law, accept legal tender. Cash is legal tender. You cannot deny cash as form of payment. Am I correct in that assumption? 
that if you place a monetary value on something and someone says, well, here's a $5 bill, you can't decline that as form of payment because cash is legal tender. Yes, Disney is moving towards all of these things, but they also keep at least one person available to accept legal tender. Are you able to eliminate, like, is that a thing? Can you formally just be like, nope, we are not accepting any money. So you have no way to pay. Get out. It's that way in my industry. And it just is what it is. I don't know the legalities. I've never been taken to court for it. So, I mean, I genuinely do not know every law and everything else. Um, But I, I, I do not know the answer. Yeah. Well, listen, the reason that this is a first take is because it's going to be, I'm interested. My interest is peaked. Now there've been some people that have gone out and say that this is, you know, a, a, like a class thing and that it's really hurting people that don't have access. Listen, I don't buy any of that stuff. I think people are really overcooking when you get it to like that level. What I think this comes down to is just what you said is that since COVID, a lot of industries have been analyzing their practices, not having cashiers fumbling around with, you know, change and having to make change, I think speeds up the process. And I think it's just more efficient and efficient. And especially if you have like an online system, like you know, Disney can order through the my, the my mobile app. It just makes staffing so much easier. So th- that's what this is about. This isn't a war on, you know, the lower class. This is just about making the parks run smoother. And SeaWorld is not the first park to do it. They're not going to be the last park to do it. It's just making some waves over on socials. Federalreserve.gov. There is no federal statute mandating that a private business, a person, or an organization must accept currency or coins as payment for goods or services. Private businesses are free to develop their own policies on whether to accept cash unless there is a state law that says otherwise. There you go. There it is. And I don't know if Florida has a statute on the books that would reverse that. So your bank's going to take it and then you can use the plastic. I, I mean, that's where we, that's where we live. There you go. Boom, boom. All right, man, moving on the full schedule for destination D 23 has been revealed. So Disney just released the full schedule for destination D 23 coming to the Walt Disney world resort contemporary on September 8th through the 10th. Uh, to celebrate 100 years of Disney and find you can find the complete details about the biggest Disney fan event of the year, Destination D23, which is presented by Lug. Uh, and it includes all of the panels, which will be live streamed, by the way, Brian. Uh, Disney will start the showcase with a bang. We get everything I think we want or are looking for, like right up front, because boom, 9.15 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. the first day, there is a panel called A Celebration of Disney Parks. And it is experiences and products yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So th- what they're saying is it's join Disney Parks Experiences and Products Chairman Josh tomorrow and special guests for an entertaining presentation look at the future of Disney Parks featuring updates from around the world and some fun surprises along the way. So whereas D23 Expo in California finishes with the Parks panel, it looks like we're getting that right up front. Uh, it's going to be an interesting two days. Chip is getting access to the media pool. He's going to be flying there and and he's going to be in attendance. I get to play the guy in the chair again, like I was for the expo in Anaheim. 
Uh, this time, though, I do get to do it from the comfort of my home versus the hotel room that had good Wi-Fi. But Brian, is there anything you're looking forward to from this year's expo? Or do you think it's going to be a relatively quiet event? Do you think we're getting blockbuster news? What do you expect from the, the two days on eighth, the 8th through the 10th? Given the state of Disney parks and the financial stuff that is been has been going on, I cannot imagine that it's going to be anything groundbreaking. Side note, what is lug? I mean, I'm assuming it's luggage. I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, okay, just, but yeah, I don't expect there to be a lot. But advice to Disney, if nothing else, let's not do another panel of speculation and what could live beyond Big Thunder Mountain because the way that everything got ran with from that panel was an absolute disaster. We can't trust the general public with blue sky ideas. I don't think they're going to do that. And no, I, would, I, I think they learned their lesson. I but. think you're really smart with your assessment too. I think given the financials that have been coming out and look at the shareholding, or the, the, the stock prices, looking at the trajectory of what's going on with Walt Disney Pictures. Nine, it closed on Friday at a nine-year low. Disney stock did. Yeah, I just, I don't see Disney committing to a lot. What I think that parks panel is going to be is they're going to highlight the international parks. They're going to talk about Frozen. They're going to talk about Zootopia. They're going to talk about and revisit all the amazing things that have happened. The successful 50th, the launching of Tron. They're going to look at Moana. Uh, there's a little note in the schedule where they're going to take a look at Epcot and do a feature on Epcot. So I'm sure we're going to get a little Moana in there and Communicore Hall and Dreamers Point. I don't see them committing long term to anything right now. I think it's only updates on stuff that had been announced that is either scrapped or, hey, we're still continuing. Um, like the, the Mary Poppins attraction, for example. I think that thing's scrapped and I think they might actually put words to that. I also think that if it's not negative, but I, I also think, man, if they're going to announce the bigger stuff, I think they're going to wait for the larger event. I think they're going to wait for next year for, for expo again, out in Anaheim. Yep. Two days, which is basically, this is a state of the union address. In my opinion, you know, it's, it's for people who live here on the East coast and it's like, Hey, we didn't forget about you. Like, Here's your baby expo. Like, thanks for being a D23 member. But you don't get to have a Soka in your theme park, but you can have a small D23. But you can have a small D23. But it is. It's Look, it's nice, and it's great fan service, and it's nice to know here in Orlando that for two days, we're kind of loved on. D23 out in California, like, that's the event. That's the Marvel panel. That's Star Wars. That's where... Josh and Bob are going to roll out the red carpet and say like, here's the big stuff. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready? Did you enjoy last year? Did you have fun? How was the buffet? Here's, here's the main course. And you know that, like, I don't think we got anything. We got the lightsaber, right? That was the last, that was the last one. Josh walked out and he, he ignited the lightsaber and everyone was like, whoa, and Star Cruise is not even a thing anymore. Can I ask you a question? While you're having these ongoing strikes, does the Writers Guild or the Actors Guild have a role in being able to develop new shows? Like, for example, you're not going to get the Guardians of the Galaxy to record a pre-show right now. No. So like, nope. So any so it has to have some sort of effect on that. Yeah, any any union 
related projects. So anything that is related to and and it, so it, it does affect theme parks too. Yeah. Then not just television and movies. No, well, like anything that's based on these intellectual properties, uh, you yeah. know that so, that is tethered into that SAG after contract. It's another reason there's no Marvel. There's very little to no Star Wars at this event. Until these contracts are concluded, Disney is going to be in a weird spot. They cannot use talent. They can't use the writers. So, you know, this is going to be a, a, a look, it's going to be a quiet year. It's going to yep. be a quiet year. So would I be completely floored if something came out of this event that was a game changer? Yes. And you know what? I want to be wrong. I really do. I want to be wrong. I don't think I'm going to be though. So we'll see. See, prove me wrong, please, Disney. So, all right, man, this last one, if you thought people were mad about uh, cashless SeaWorld, uh, people are really, really, really losing their minds on this. Now, this is not a first take, but it's my first take because I was on vacation when all of this stuff was playing out. And I am so glad that I was at Disney to get the popcorn to go and, you know, eat while I was going and filtering through social media. But while we were there... Disney World began to remove self-service lids and straws from its quick service and snack locations throughout the resort. So this all started on August 21st when I was there and I could see online like people were legitimately like dropping nuclear bombs like it was Oppenheimer. So paper straws and plastic lids are now only available upon request. So we know this like the last time that some kind of change was affected Disney previously got rid of all single-use plastic straws. People lost their minds and stirs, and they replaced them with paper. So now paper straws and plastic lids are no longer available in guest areas for self-service. You have to walk up and request a lid or a straw if you want to use it. Now, here's an asterisk. And ready for this because I lived through this. Disney also at certain locations, they do not have them at all. There were several kiosks and quick serve locations that we walked up to and we asked for a lid and they didn't have them so upon request has an asterisk now this is all a part of disney working to achieve a zero waste uh to their landfill by 2030 for its parks resorts and cruise lines brian i want to get your thoughts first what do you think about disney's move to no lids and straws uh does this bother you you have kids this is why i want to know your thoughts you have kids lids are very like important when you have little kids and beverages and sweet and sugary and sticky beverages what are your thoughts uh like just go man just go because people are going crazy lids are not stopping my child from spilling anything so i don't think that that matters um I mean, now the parks, the rest of the parks are operating like Animal Kingdom has operated for at least 20 years, right? Like Animal Kingdom hasn't had these things for literally 20 years. So I don't see it being a massive difference. No straw is way better than a paper straw. Don't get me started on paper straws. At least movie theaters have figured out how to find like a, a new, like whatever plastic or whatever, like paper straws are the worst thing in the history of mankind. First world problems. I understand. I, I, I just, it doesn't bother me. I just can't, uh, that lid is, again, that lid is not stopping a full drink from spilling. It okay. never will. It never has. Full disclosure. And I want to be honest. I'm that dude who takes the lid off and drinks from the cup. I 100%. Don't, 
I don't like to drink from a straw first, first and foremost. So I have to be on my, like my, my preference just right out there on front street. So when I say I'm not mad, it's because I'm that guy who doesn't want to use the straw, even when it was provided and the lid, I would always pop the lid right off and drink right from the cup. But here's, here's the thing, man. And here's the honest to God truth. If your child really requires that lid in order to secure the beverage, my guess would be, like you just said, your child is probably of the age that you probably want to carry your own cup or your own sippy cup or something. Sippy cup or something that's going to protect. Because I can tell you, like when my kid was aged, eh, you know, three to five, that lid was doing nothing. Truly, that lid was doing nothing. Second, there's not a lot of locations where this makes a difference. People are like, well, what if I'm on the move? Look, 80% of the locations that you're buying a Coke or a Sprite or a water, they're bottled for, the, for that specific purpose. The places that you're getting these cups at, they're the quick service locations. And you're taking that cup right over to the table. And so, yeah, you're not walking around with it. If you want to walk around with it, well, listen, there's a few different options that I would suggest for you. One, the straw thing is not new. So don't freak out about the straw. Get your own straw. Get, you know, get a way better straw than that paper straw. First and foremost, you nailed it. And then secondly, just get a cup. Get yourself a reusable cup. I mean, even take the resort cup that you have. If you purchased it, take that cup in with you to the park and then dump it in there and put the lid on it. And then drink it out of that. I, you hit the nail right on the head when you said first world problems. There are so many real issues at stake here that if you're thinking about people are like, well, what if I spill it on the ground? Well, like, are you literally crying over spilt milk or soda at this point? Don't you think that the health of the planet and putting all of that plastic into a landfill is more detrimental than the carbonated beverage that may splash on the concrete. I think people need a real perspective on this. And I hate to say it, but for Disney to have such a really great goal that by 2030, they don't want to have any landfill refuse. I think that's admirable. And I think a lot of companies should be respectfully behaving in this manner. We should be looking at our ecological footprint. Like just look at what's happening to the planet and you can kind of see, you know, we need to take care of it. No one wants to live in a literal dump. So maybe we just got to chill a little bit, right? Just a little bit. I do think that once they kind of get it where it needs to be and it's kind of the norm, like I think everywhere will have it for available upon request. I think right now it's just take them out of the really high volume places so yeah. people get used to it. And then it'll reach a point where if you really do need it, you can get it. People are very afraid of change. Every time Disney changes a procedure, people freak out about it. Until it's then, just it, such a, it's just such a minimal change that, had, like, to your point, can have such a, 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 a big impact, if for nothing else, keeping the place clean. What, whatever your thoughts are politically on keeping having a green planet or whatever, like it helps keep the place clean. And I just don't think it matters. People don't like change. Once it becomes the norm and they just get routined into it, then it's not a big deal anymore. So there's honestly, there's bigger things going on and I think everyone will be fine. So 
All right, man, we are going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back with Mark's Mean Attraction. We're talking about our trip, and it's going to be fun. Hey, guys, Dislife Mark here, and I want to tell you all about the official travel partner here at Chip & Company. Let our good friend Sarah at Destination to Travel help you plan your next Disney vacation. Sarah specializes in planning dream vacations for your family. She's an authorized Disney vacation planner, and she can help with every step of your magical vacation. The best thing is that her services are 100% free. Want to travel beyond Disney? Sarah has you covered there, too. Want to find out more? Fill out a trip request form over at the website at Chip Co. or email her directly at sarahsolberg at d2travel.com. Start planning that dream vacation today. Email her at sarahsolberg at d2travel.com. go welcome to mark's main attraction we just got home from a glorious 10-day trip to disney world where we stayed at disney's grand floridian and the bay lake tower over at the contemporary resort we had a split stay man anytime that we travel to disney it is nothing short of magical but we really treated ourselves this time around we plussed up a lot of experiences brian i have thoughts so today, we're going to turn the microphone around. Brian's going to interview interview me. We're going to talk about the trip and just sit here and share with you the magical 10 days from our latest journey around the monorail loop. So, man, I am, uh, I'm exhausted. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. 10 days at Disney Parks was a lot. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot for even like 10 days in Orlando when you live there is still a long time. I can't imagine like a full 10-day vacation of... And every time I talked to you, you were in the parks. We, we um, I'm were. just learning that it was a split stay. I thought you were Grand Floridian the entire time. So you staying on the monorail line and not staying at the Polynesian is an upset, my friend. Yes. Uh, we could not get availability at the Polynesian. There's, I mean, there's, there's so much going on at the Polynesian. It feels like they have like a hundred rooms available right now. It so. was, yeah. Well, it was not without effort on our part. You should know. We tried. Was this your first time at Bay Lake? Uh, yeah. So this was our... Yep, this was our first time at Bay Lake. So to recap, um, again, we're DVC owners. So three years wilderness. Last year, we finally broke away from the Wilderness Lodge, and uh, we did uh, Animal, King- Animal Kingdom Kidani. And then this year, we'd always dreamed of staying at Bay Lake Tower. Now, we've done Contemporary twice. We did the A-Frame two times, uh, Bayview twice, Linda has done the garden wing with her sister, but this was our first time that we stayed at uh, Bay Lake Tower. And what what type of room did you stay in? So we had we had a bay view. We were overlooking the pool. Um, one, one bedroom or studio? Nope, we had a studio, and we were right underneath the floor. I mean, like, dude, the room was amazing. We were right underneath the floor that has the bridge that goes from the contemporary to the tower itself. So we would just up one flight of steps. And I mean, it was 50 yards to the bridge. 
walked right, like, you know me, man, you know how I like to roll, like walk right over, grab the coffee in the morning, uh, cupcakes galore, just grabbed as much snacky snackage as I could. And then just like right back to the room. So for a guy who loves to be close to the action, like it was, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Yeah. It puts you right by the monorail station and everything there. So you stayed at the grand Floridian before. So what hotel stay was better for you? During this trip, the Grand Floridian stay or the Bay Lake stay. So each one is different. Um, each one did had you its use the walkway from Grand Floridian to Magic Kingdom, by the way. We did. Yep. We that, did. Well, I love that walkway. Yeah. So each each one was different and we loved each one for for a variety of reasons. Um, I love the contemporary. I did an article on Disney Addicts where I called it my beloved eyesore. You know, the whatever that magazine was that basically just smashed on it and said it's disgusting looking and it is like the biggest eyesore in all of Florida. They got what they wanted out of that. Yeah. I mean like, listen, was it clickbait? Absolutely. But you know what? I came to the defense of the contemporary as a kid, we would stay at a days Inn, and we never could afford to stay on property. So I was like the little doggy in the window on the monorail on the express line, not the, not the resort line who would stare at the window in the contemporary and just be like, someday, Mark, someday you're going to go there. So that was always like a dream come true to me. So I've always loved the contemporary. Like I romanticized it. I didn't romanticize the grand Floridian. Like I did the contemporary. So to stay there still holds something really special to me, but um, I love the ease of walking. We love, absolutely love steakhouse 71. We did breakfast there twice. Um, there's just something about the Mary Blair flair that's there. I love the vibe of that place. Um, so it's the history of that building too, which if you're a person who spent the better part of their entire life going to Disney, it holds a special place in your heart because technically it's not the first resort. The poly beat it by, I think what a half hour. Cause Roy wanted yeah. to be a Roy wanted to be at both openings. So he stopped at the poly first. He technically opened the poly first and then the contemporary like 30 minutes later, but it is an opening day hotel. So how are you not a fan of Disney world? If you don't love something about the contemporary. So that that's that. We, I've only stayed in the garden wing at the contemporary, so I don't have a ton of experience there. Yeah. So I've never done the garden wing. Linda absolutely loves the garden wing. So she would be like, Brian, I have done that too. And that's her favorite room, by the way. So there's something to be said with that. Um, I stayed at the Grand Floridian twice. I stayed once with Linda on an adult's trip and I took my daughter. My wife plussed us up and gave us pixie dust at the airport and upgraded us from, I think we were staying at Pop to Grand Flow. So like, way to go, Linda. She was an awesome mom on that trip. Uh, the room, I don't know if you know this, it got totally upgraded to Mary Poppins. And the room is beautiful. Yeah, man. The room is beautiful. Now, there were some people online that we posted a room tour. And they were, first of all, they were like, I would never pay a thousand dollars to stay in a room that didn't look like Disney enough for me. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to be kind. (laughs) First of all, I didn't just gave them an accent. I don't know if kind is quite what you're going for. Well, I don't know. I always like, I always. Okay, so you should know whenever I'm impersonating anyone else, I do that. At, like, that's my go-to accent. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Because it's not Mark. It's a not Mark accent. 
<laughs> so, no, it's uh, definitely not. I could do this one too. Oh, you know why you gotta pay? Why you gotta pay a thousand dollars to stay at that room? It don't look Disney enough for me. Like you know, <laughs> like I could do that one too. I'm not trying to offend the regional art here. Like I just wanted to do a person coming at me on the internet. So I um look. First of all, I did not pay $900 a room. There's construction going on at the Grand Floridian. So the rate was very low. Plus it tack on another 35% for being a Disney plus subscriber. We got the room on a lark. How much of a discount did we get? It was $80 more a night versus staying at the Coronado Grandestino tower. So boom, there you go. So it was justified that I was like, Oh, for an additional $80 a night, I can stay at the Grand Floridian. I'm going to opt to do that. Now, can I do that all the time? No. But the room is super classy, man. It has touches of Mary Poppins, just like the Polly has touches of Moana. You know, it's not like Moana threw up in the room. They use elements and artistic inspiration on the color palette and the patterns And so the room is very elegant. Now I tell people, if you want to have that style of room, go stay at the Art of Animation. This is the Grand Floridian that we're talking about. They don't want to have you staying in a legitimate cartoon. (laughs) Like the clientele there are very highbrow. So the room was very elegant and it was suggestive of Mary Poppins. Like there were, you know, some pieces of art that Mary Poppins was worked into the wallpaper and the various patterns of the accent pillows. You didn't walk in and like get smacked in the face by a penguin. <laughs> you know, like there that'd were, be sweet, honestly. That would be, yeah, I wouldn't listen. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hate it if there were, you know, penguins to greet me in the room because I happen to love them. But there were like penguins on the chandelier so they were worked into the design i thought the room was elegant but it kind of ruined me we were in boca chica we overlooked the pool um and again both of these resorts were my favorite so what i love doing with a split stay is just changing your hotel up changing the perspective it kind of feels like you're getting a brand new vacation in the middle of the vacation. It's like hitting the reset button in a really good way. So I didn't prefer one or the other. I loved them both. The staff at both places were incredible. The cast members are always the highlight of any of these resorts, by the way. If it wasn't for the cast members, they would just be rooms. So whether you stay at Bay Lake Tower or you stay at the Grand Floridian, the cast members and the staff are going to make sure that you are treated like royalty. Our family felt welcomed home. And I would stay at both of these places again and again and again. Well, you don't go to Florida just to go to a couple of hotels. So let's talk about the important stuff of why you go to Florida for 10 days. Knowing you, Hollywood Studios, (laughs) you love Star Wars. Epcot, you you love Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Yes. The rightful winner of the United We Fan Bracket Challenge. Um... And you wanted to get on Tron a lot more. Yeah. I don't know if there's a lot of things pulling you to animal kingdom right now. So I expect that to have been to have gotten the least amount of your park time. Yeah. I know for a fact, how many times you rode Tron while you were down there, yes. what park dominated your vacation? Uh, well, we were on the monorail loop and we were there on the monorail loop for a reason. And that would be Tron. 
uh, we were Magic Kingdom heavy. So the uh, ten day here's the ten day breakdown, and uh, of like cover your ears on the back end of this count because if you're an Animal Kingdom lover, you're gonna be like, wait a minute. So you were there for ten days and you only did Animal Kingdom how much? Don't come at me. I'm sorry. Uh, so ten days. I really hope the answer is zero because that'd be hilarious. Four and a half Magic and Huckle. It's not far from that. Four and a half is Magic Kingdom. Three Epcot, two Hollywood, and a half day at the Animal Kingdom. Half day, half day meaning the morning or the evening? In the morning. So we did. Oh, it would have been even better if it was like from like 4 p.m. to close. Everest Safari, Flight of Passage. Uh, we did one more thing. What was the other thing that we did? Dinosaur. Come on. No, we didn't do Dinosaur. No, oh, no, no. We did like one more. Have, I mean, you got Flight of Passage, Safari, and Everest. Like yeah. you did correctly we did one more thing and then we were like okay we out so that was the night of our party as well so we didn't want to get super tired because we knew we were going to be at uh the magic kingdom until at least 12 12 30 but yeah so animal kingdom got not a lot of love on this last trip but magic kingdom man four and a half days magic kingdom did bella do expedition everest she did she loves it she loves okay. that I was, this was not her first time right no, no, no. She's done it a lot now. She used to be scared of it. And then I showed her some strategies to like get over being afraid. We used to sing, true story. We used to sing Dua Lipe, levitating. <laughs> she would like, we would ride it together and scream it. You want me? I want you, baby. We're levitating. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she would scream sing that as the ride was plunging. And it just distracted her from thinking, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Cause she's thinking about song lyrics. And now so she three times it. at Epcot. Yep. Four and a half times at magic kingdom, four and a half days. How many rides on Tron? How many rides on guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind and which ride is better now that you have about 10 rides on each under your belt. Okay. And that's a really good question because it was not fair. I was going purely off of a very emotional one ride on Tron. And I'm a Tronny. I grew up watching Tron on repeat until like the VHS, I think, broke. Until the literal ribbon on the VHS just gave way. So I cried the first time I rode Tron because it was a dream to enter the grid and ride on a, a light cycle. So it's not fair to compare something that has that much of an emotional advantage versus something that I came to love later in life, which was guardians of the galaxy. And I'm the opposite. I'm far more emotionally attached to the guardians of the galaxy than I am Tron by a lot. So now seven times we had, we did just on this trip, eight total. Um, and we did guardians, another two, we should have did it three, but we slept through the, <laughs> we slept through the, virtual queue the one day and i looked at her and i was like do we buy it and she was like nah we've done it enough and i was like okay fair. they would have let you on no yeah. matter what i was like fair yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna buy it so now having done tron that much and having a big enough sample size to compare they are they're still apples and oranges it's right. not really fair to to make a direct comparison between the two because First of all, Tron is an older ride. Yes, it's new here, but it's an older ride. It's older ride tech. Guardians of the Galaxy has the benefit of newer systems, newer technology, newer visuals. And it's also, it's, it's a newer intellectual property. The Guardians of the Galaxy are newer, comparatively speaking, to Tron Legacy, which is aging well, 
but it's still old. Legacy's old. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so my emotions are still with Tron, having done it. That launch is I enjoy that launch better than the backwards launch, just comparing the two. The backwards launch is really fun. Um, and it, it elicits a ton of joy as you lift up and then you start to begin the turn for the, the photo experience. But there is nothing, in my opinion, purer than that launch on Tron as the lights are going and the strobes and the countdown begins and then you just catapult into that slingshot. What I think I love most about the Tron launch is you have a chance to stare at all of these people. There are throngs of podcasts staring at you and you're staring back at them like the, you know, serotonin's flowing freely at that point. And it's just, it's exhilarating. Um, so I would give that to it. Now the, the inside and the visuals is a dead heat in my opinion. Like I, I think the graphics on Tron are really fun. Uh, Tron has a short, uh, it's, it's not as, it's not as good because it's just, it's too quick. Guardians has a more prolonged experience and a better storytelling in ride. Uh, you know, Tron is just, it's over <laughs> too, way too soon. It, it is fast. It's way too in, fast. In a good way and a quick experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if Tron were double the length of the ride, I think it would be Tron. In terms of like from start to finish, Guardians is still, I think, a better ride because of the length and the storytelling and all the other elements. But the immersion that you get in Tron, Tron's just fun, man. I, I personally, I enjoy Tron more. But again, I'm a special breed of person. I'm a Tron. -y. I do think overall, I think Guardians is probably a better ride. But Tron wins the day for me because I'm weird. So yeah, Tron. One one more question about Tron, and then we'll move on. Um, comparing that launch to the launch at Velocicoaster, which launch would you prefer? Tron. I do enjoy yeah. Tron. I just figured I would ask. I really enjoy the launch at Velocicoaster. I like Tron too, um, but again, I don't have the emotional ties. So for me, I kind of dwell on the same thing I do with with Seven Doors Mind Train. Is like it's over already. Yeah, my like, favorite. A little more 30, 45 seconds. My favorite part of Velocicoaster is, uh, are the corkscrews over the water. Those things are just bonkers. I, and they scare the hell out of you because yeah. you feel like you're coming out of your seat and you're, you're inching towards the water. And then just as you're coming airborne, it spins enough to pull you back in. So that's a good ride. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're great. The proliferation of all of these rides benefits the customers. So universal keep on building parks because then Disney is going to keep building parks and we win. We always win. Yeah. We win as the consumer last year. Again, you, you talked about it with piano Rob earlier. You go kind of this same week every year last year. That was the start of food and wine. Now food and wine is becoming almost a full year thing over at, over at Epcot. It had already been going for, a few weeks now you went to Epcot three different times. I'm assuming you got to partake in any, every part of food and wine festival you wanted to. How was it? Uh, it was good. So, um, how do we do this? 
There's so much to talk about. You know what? Here's how we're going to do this, man. I'm going to give you my Rushmore, my best of Fez to Rushmore. Let's inject that in there. All right. Um, so this one, uh, yeah, this one, Fabio, man, this is for you. Fabio said, are we going to get a breakdown? Uh, I'm going to do a little bit more of these on the who's it's and what's it's later this week. But uh, here's my best of the fest. All right. I'm going to cheat a little bit with the first part. Um, the returners, Fry Flight, Fischwada in Brazil, Braised Beef Poutine. They all should be on the list. And you know what? They could all earn spots but they were repeats from last year. So I don't want to like just automatically take three quarters of my Rushmore and just give it to the stuff that I loved from last year. Cause it's still good and it's still amazing. And I ate all of those again. Uh, so here's the new stuff. So that'll be like one. My one is trial the trial, the stuff that we got last year. It's back and it's great. <laughs> uh, the second one, I have to say this. I'm not lying. I'm not trying to sell this. And I'm not trying to be trendy and I'm not chasing hashtags or trends on Instagram or TikTok. Dude, the pickle milkshake is good. I swear to God, it's really good. And it's so good that it's going to be on my Rushmore. So I was, I was firmly against this thing. I just want to be honest. I was so against it. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. Uh, first of all, everyone's made content on it. I felt like everyone had their own version of, do I like it? Do I not? And we didn't even film one of those for Instagram. I was just like, I'm just going to get it. This is a pure for science thing. I was like, you know what? I have a lot of money left on my budget of the card that I was going to spend for food and wine. And I might as well just buy this thing. So I bought that and I bought the peanut butter and jelly wings. And I said, okay, this is for science. Let's see. I take a sip of the pickle milkshake. And first of all, it does not taste like pickles. It tastes like a vanilla milkshake. It presents and tastes just like a vanilla milkshake should. And like a milkshake you would expect. And then once you've swallowed, interestingly enough, on the tail end, it's not pickle, but it's more of the dill. Um, and I wouldn't even say that it's a horrible aftertaste, but you get a note of the dill on the back end and it adds a savory to the milkshake that is a pleasant surprise to the palate. This thing has no business being this good. Uh, I don't think it sounds good. Uh, there's just something disgusting about the concept of a pickle milkshake. But oddly enough, man, the Muppets Lab has done it. Congratulations, Beaker. Uh, you've done it. You found a way to make a pickle milkshake and it tastes delicious. So there's my, there's my number two on the list. In addition to the returners. Wait, I need a, I need a review on the PB and J wings. Uh, have you ever had satay? Uh, it's yes. like type of, yeah, it tastes just like satay with peanut sauce. There was mm. no jelly at all. Like you don't taste the jelly. There's no hint of jelly. It tastes like you got you get like a dipping sauce. Yep. It, it tastes like you just got a chicken satay and you put it in the peanut dipping sauce. They were delicious. They were messy. My only complaint about those w wings are always messy, but the peanut sauce had a consistency that was a little bit thicker than like your, uh, your Buffalo wing. So cleaning off your hands, you kind of had to resign yourself to being a pig or about like five minutes until you ran to the nearby bathroom and you had to rinse off. 
because you were just covered in peanut butter. And you can't look cool eating these things. You're just like, blah, blah, blah. so yeah. I don't look cool ever anyway. That works out. Does he look cool? Yeah, man. He's cool. <laughs> I'm eating satay, y'all. All right. Uh, number three, over in Belgium, everyone's given the Pilko milkshake all this attention, and rightfully so. But the best drink, the actual best drink from the entire thing, there's a Belgian chilled coffee. Now, you can get it boozy or not boozy. Get it boozy because it's better boozy. Uh, it has a chocolate deluxe salted caramel chocolate liqueur. Um, if you want to channel your inner Lebowski, it's like a it's like a white Russian man. And unlike you know the uh, movie Anchorman, on the hot day, this was a very very good choice. Milk was a bad choice. This was a good choice. It actually was very refreshing. Even though it's a milk-based It's good, but it is filling. <laughs> Even though it was a milk-based drink on a hot day. Uh, it was really good. So yeah, the Belgian chilled coffee, this thing was bonkers good. And again, we're trying to find new things, right? New things. It wasn't just stuff that was there last year that we liked again. All right, my last thing, Chip actually made me get, uh, he sent me the order in and he said, hey, Hawaii, spam sushi. This sounds disgusting. I'm just going to flat out say it. I'm like spam. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever fried spam? Uh, no, but I could put a little peanut butter cups on your eggs. <laughs> okay. So I, I have, yes, I have had fried spam. Yes, yes, yes. I it's have. The only way I think I would ever want to eat it. Right. Yeah, you've, you've got to, you got to put a real crisp on it. It's got to be well fried. Cause otherwise it, it looks disgusting. It actually, it, it turns my, the, just the thought of it turns my stomach. So he's like, yeah, you're going to get this sushi <laughs> that is spam. And I'm like, oh, I've got to put this in my body right now. Instead of fish, it's spam. Yeah. So yeah. it, it terrified me. Um, especially the concept of spam sushi. Cause what does that sound like? Uncooked spam, basically thrown in, you With know, rice and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh. I also, unfortunately, uh, and I think this is just my age, your parents would always be like, don't waste food. There's somewhere in Africa that there's people that are starving. So no matter what happens, I do not like to throw away food. It's another reason why I'm so fat is because I eat what's put in front of me because at a young age, I was meant to appreciate whatever was put in front of me. You have to clean your plate. So <laughs> Chip's like, we're buying this. I'm not going to buy it, take pictures of it and throw it away. So I eat it and dude, it was amazing. <laughs> it was so good. It's a teriyaki glazed spam. And then it's got spicy mayo, eel sauce and nori on it. And it's, it's incredible. The salt content of the spam, believe it or not, works really well as a substitute for the fish. And not only did I really like it, I, I did a repeat order on it. This was the best of the festival for me. And I didn't leave it up to the Hawaiians to know how to use the spam properly. They did. So at the Hawaiian booth, best of the festival, man, spam sushi. And that's, uh, that's my Mount Rushmore of this year's food and wine as per the trip report. You heard it here first. Two more questions for you before we wrap it up. Yeah. He's, we've thrown shade at Mickey's not so scary Halloween party. We have saying. I mean, saying it doesn't change year over year. That being said, we still like it. We just like Halloween Horror Nights better. 
you went to Mickey's not so scary Halloween party. I know you did the fireworks dessert party. How was the Halloween party? Anything new, anything new to report? Um, so this year the seven dwarves returned. Uh, they had not been meeting for obvious reasons, you know, that the, during the phased reopening, Disney was being very cautious and careful with meet and greets. Was this the first time since 2019 they were there? This was the, yep. So this was the first time. So they were over in Pete's sideshow. Uh, they were all gathered together. And so we had a chance to see and meet them. Uh, we went and met Jack and Sally and there's always a tremendous line for Jack and Sally. The nice thing about the Halloween party, man, and I'm not knocking this. I don't want, I don't want this to come off the wrong way. The Halloween party is comforting in that you know what you're getting year in and year out. The food changes, the snacks change from year to year, but by and large, the party is the party. The fireworks remain the fireworks. The parade gets new elements and new characters, but it's still the same parade. Like it has the same music. It's got the grave diggers and it's comforting. We love the party and I had a great time. Uh, the best parts of the party for me were trying the new foods. We got the Hades cone, which was amazing. It was spicy ice cream. It was a mango Dole Whip. And they almost put like a tahini on it. And I was like, why is it spicy? <laughs> why is it spicy? <laughs> Dude, it was hot. It was legitimately face melting hot. And you would eat the ice cream and the temperature of the ice cream was cold. And the minute that was you... It better be blue. No, it well they they drizzled the blue like harden you know like uh, candy hardening that they dipped okay. the whole cone on, but they didn't do the whole cone in the candy hardening. They just put the blue on it. They like put drips of it, and then what was my hair out, dude? Whoever the cast member was that hit my Hades cone with that tahini, they straight up dumped it on because I was like, I'm here for this. I want the spicy ice cream, and she was like, I'm gonna rock this dude's world right now. Because <laughs> Ian and uh, Sarah got the cone too, and they were like, "This is nice, like this is delightful." And I'm like, oh, "So hot, it's so <laughs> so hot!" Like it was giving me like indigestion immediately. So the girl straight up pounded it with that stuff. <laughs> Someone call IXII. I was like, "Oh!" So you would take a bite, and the temperature of the cone, it's cold, but immediately as you swallow, you're going. Oh, so hot, too hot, too hot. I was like, big, uh, the Lord Hellman's baseball. <laughs> hot, too hot. Um, yeah, that was fun. The winner of the night, though, was the uh, the Queen of Hearts slushy over in the Cheshire Cat Cafe. Um, I gave most of that to Bella because, again, I was trying to cut down on how much sugar I consumed. But that thing was just straight up amazing, man. Sounds like sounds like you did great at that. Cutting down sugar. I really, so I would take bites. Uh, I cheated, but I would, um, I wouldn't eat the whole thing. So I would take bites of, of desserts, portions of the dessert and share. So whereas Greg makes fun of me habitually to be like, Mark does not share anything. Like he eats all of it. I actually was very good with sharing everything this, this time around. Um, my favorite part of the party though was definitely the snacks. Um, we just, we really had a good time. I hung out with the Thurgoods, man. And we had the best night. The kids just really enjoyed each other's company. The adults had got to have adult conversation while the kids were just living their best Disney lives. 
it was just a lot of fun, you know, and it was a lot of fun to have friends and family along uh, with the, the trip the whole time. And that leads me to my last question for you. Disney theme parks, all of this is where we all have a common ground, but the funnest part of what the Diz Life podcast is now is the friends that we've made along the way. Did you get a chance to meet up with anybody besides the grand old Thurgood family? So shout out to Fabio Lamberti. He's a listener of the show. He listens every week. He actually hails from New York as well. We touched base and we found out that we were both at Magic Kingdom so we, uh, we hit the pause button, he hit the pause button and I hit, uh, the pause button on my vacations. We had a chance to kind of compare notes a little bit. Uh, and I, and I thoroughly enjoyed getting to meet him in parks. I love whenever we have listeners and trips line up and I can get pictures with our listeners. Um, that to me is like one of the best things about doing this. Uh, we met Mike, the bee, Mike, the bee. And I actually were, we did the food and wine together. So he was there with me on my, uh, my food and wine day, uh, met piano Rob for the annual Mouspiration Mike and Matthew hooked up with us in the middle of that. Mike wound up vlogging the experience, bro, master pirates. We went on smugglers run. Do you know that my daughter has now thrice master pirated? She is a damn fine pilot, man. For everyone that smashes on kids. Is she the the left and right in the brake pilot or does she do? No. Down light speed. She's on light speed and she's up and down. Listen, man, my kid can fricking fly. She is like a, she's like Anakin Skywalker. You're (laughs) never more proud. I'm so proud of her. Like everyone will be like, oh my God, this kid's going to fly. I'm like, listen, this kid has gotten master pilot three times. I've flown with other people with adults and not gotten master pilot she has been the only time that I've ever gotten master pilot is when that kid's in that seat. She is, she's my Chewbacca. Yeah. Piano Rob was ripping the, uh, the solo engineer guy on your flight because he ruined Chewbacca mode. I sympathize with that man because I did the same thing last time we wrote it. Okay. But, but shout out and big ups to that dude. I don't know who that dude is. He probably doesn't even listen to the show. So he screwed up Chewbacca mode for us. He hit the button way too early but then Mike dropped his wallet. Do you know that that dude like ran, not walked, ran to get us and was like, blah, 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 blah. someone dropped their wallet. So he totally saved the day and it was Mike dropped his wallet. So any, like any snafu that that guy committed was instantly forgiven because he straight up recovered Mike's wallet for him. So, well done, random citizen. Yeah. Big ups, random, random dude. You saved the galaxy for him and no, not having to cancel cards. We love you. So yeah, man. Um, so Did Mouse- you assume the pickle milkshake with Alicia by chance? Uh, no, that was with Mike. So okay. we also hung out with Alicia. Alicia came twice, and we spent two pool days with Alicia. She had a she had us in hysterics the one night we went over to Magic Kingdom. She was just waiting in line for us with us for the the wristbands, and the person's like, "You can't be in the line." She's like, "Why not?" <laughs> She's like. Literally, I'm standing here with my friend. She's like, but you're not at the event. She's like, so then they'll give me a band. Like the, the person just like looked at her like, how could you be standing here? She's like, I'm not trying to get into the event. Like, don't give me the band. And then the cast member after was like, don't worry. And he gave her the chocolate and, and the, the bag anyway. And she's like, I'm not trying to steal like a silly so people thinking they can tell Alicia what she's going to do. And she's like, don't you know who I am? I'm Alicia Haig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Alicia. And then dude, the Thurgoods, 
the Thurgoods. We spent so much time with the Thurgood family. Um, you know, I love Sarah. Like she was one of our first listeners before I even knew that there were people who cared about this podcast. Like she was the, she was literally the first person in the world that reached out to me and told me that there was a person that was listening. And oddly enough, it was a person in Wyoming, which just really gave me comfort to know that like, I wasn't just talking into a microphone by myself. Um, and I love her husband. I love Ian. Uh, I got lunch with Greg. We met up at the Contemporary one day. And uh, we sampled the new menu at the Contempo Cafe. So, man, it was a it was a great trip. Diz Life to me is about the people and it's about the friends that we make along the way. And I I always love to meet new friends. So if you're one of these people that you feel like... You know, you've been listening and you've never reached out. We'd always love to hear from you and where you're listening from. Send us a message on Instagram because I would love to, I'd love to hear, man. But this, this trip was, uh, it was magical, but uh, it was exhausting. It was 10 days. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. I was not there. I'm very sad about it, but we may have to figure out something. They just need to move college football season, you know, just push everything back. Well, we here's, so here's the nice thing. I don't know what, well, now it's basketball for you guys. Yeah. LSU's got basketball. I was going to say, we yeah. always have February. We'll make it work. We'll try. So, all right, man, we're going to take up another commercial break. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen, because we still have to play Disney's college of knowledge. That's where we're going to challenge you to see what you know about the Walt Disney world parks Hang tight. We'll be right back in just a minute. Is Disney World home to you? Realtor Victor Naraki can help make it a reality. Realtor Victor Naraki specializes in making your Disney home dreams come true. Second homes, investment home, retirement, relocation. With Victor's input, he will show you the home opportunities that you don't get to see as a tourist. Imagine being at the park in minutes walking around the World Showcase for daily exercise, watching the fireworks in your own backyard, or having Disney Springs as your local mall. Have you ever heard of Windermere, Winter Garden, Horizon West, Dr. Phillips, Claremont, Lake Nona, or Disney's own Celebration and Golden Oak? Victor can introduce you to these communities, which are just minutes to the magic. Stop imagining a Disney life and start living your dream today. Call Victor at 407-340-9375. And don't forget to mention that you heard all about Victor here on Shipping Company Podcast Network. Head over to DisneyAtYourDoorstep.com and start living your magical life today. All right, Brian, we're going to wrap up today's show with Disney's College of Knowledge. And this is where we challenge listeners to see what they know about the Walt Disney Company and the theme parks. Here's how you play. You just message the correct answer to at Dislife Podcast on Instagram. And that's it. We pick from amongst that pool. Whoever comes in first and correct usually wins the day. And then we send you along a little gift. We are restocked. So if you've won in the past, don't stop playing. Come back because we have new prizes and we want to give out more stuff to our friends and fans. All right, man, on the last podcast, we asked what character abducted Peter Quill from Earth. Congratulations to Katrina Parks. She knew it was Mary Poppins, y'all. I mean, wait, Yandu. 
<laughs> so congratulations. Abducted's a bit harsh. Abducted's yeah. super harsh. <laughs> congratulations, Katrina. Saved Peter Quill from imminent doom. How's that? Maybe also not true. Abducted probably is the correct word. <laughs> Congratulations, Katrina. Uh, we're going to send you along a prize from our team here at Disney Podcast. All right, man. Uh, this week's trivia question comes to us from Epcot. Uh, and that's just because, man, my last ride on the trip was, oddly enough, it was the Grand Fiesta Tour. So I was trying to think of what to come up with. And I said, what was the last ride I did? Oh, Grand Fiesta Tour. So tell me this week for the trivia question. Name the singing trio from Disney's Grand Fiesta t- Tour. They are known collectively as the Three Caballeros. Winner gets a small prize for their efforts. So tell us the singing trio known collectively as the Three Caballeros. Again, I thought the answer was the Three Caballeros, and I thought you just gave it away. Now I understand the question. They say we are birds of a feather. Yeah, man. No matter where they go, they're always together. So that's it. Message us your answer at Diz Life Podcast. Dude, this was a lot of fun. I'm always grateful for you to hang out with me, man. I appreciate you. I'm here when you need me. Thanks for having me. So what do we got this week on uh, United We Fan, the podcast coming up on Saturday? We actually don't know yet. It's a <laughs> to be determined. We're trying to work out a way where we can communicate headcanon like things that aren't actually like real but yeah. are real for example tony perkis from heavyweights is white goodman from dodgeball you know stuff like that wait 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 dude wait how am i missing this opportunity we're two episodes into ahsoka uh like thirty thousand foot view what are your thoughts on the first two uh huge fan uh a lot of the first information in the first two episodes wasn't really groundbreaking to me because i've watched rebels i've watched clone wars i i know who all these people are uh, but it was fantastic. Uh, all hail King Chopper. He is the man. Okay. What's your view count at? Just got to know. Uh, I think four or five. Okay. You're not, not WandaVision levels. I've, okay. I've watched it four or five times. Three for me. But what I have to say is this is the first time that I've watched something three times. Usually I would do it two, once for just the original view. And then once for Bobby's freaking podcast to kind of like brush up right before we, we broadcasted. So this is three and it's cause I love it. It's dude, it's rebels season five. So there's a lot of people that are pretty upset because they're like, wait, I don't understand what the hell's going on. There's a little required viewing. You have to have some familiarity with, with clone wars and rebels, not a ton, but enough where you're going to be like, okay, I don't fully understand the whole premise yet. See, I, think they gave us, I think they gave us enough this week to really catch people up that, that hadn't, but I mean, teach their own, but there's, Star Wars, like, don't let it being animated scare you away. It's some of the best storytelling we've gotten in Star Wars. For people who don't know who Ezra or Thrawn are, yeah, like, that's problem. (laughs) That, they're going to be like, okay, there's people that are lost in space. We got to go find them. They've done a decent enough job, but it's not, it's definitely not a deep dive that would, like, catch you up. So there's some, like, you just got to go with it. Like, when, when the character, the Inquisitor character of Merrick has their identity revealed, whoever it may be. Okay, gotta know. It, Come on, who do you think? It's Stark. Barris Offie. You think it's Barris? I think. I just think, I think it's, it's Barris. See, I think it's Star Killer. I think it's a. I it, think it could be Star Killer. It, dude, I heard a theory that it's how they introduce Mara Jade. Like, if that's what, oh, that'd be that'd be incredible. Barris Offie, Star Killer, aka Caleb Mer- or 
uh, Galen Merrick, excuse me, or um, who did I say? Mara Jade. But I, I think it's Beresafi. See, I, I think it's Starkiller just because the name. If the name wasn't Merrick already, I'd be like, okay. And it's spelled differently. It is, but maybe that's maybe that's how he he brings that person to canon. Who knows, man? Listen, regardless, we still have six episodes left of it, and it's bonkers good. Bonkers good. All right, that's going to do it for another episode of Diz Life Podcast. As always, we want to say thank you for living your best Disney lives here on the Chip and Company Podcast Network. Don't forget, smash the subscribe button because we have more incredible radio shows and we hope that the rest of this week is filled with faith, trust, and pixie dust. See you soon, Brian. Thanks, Mark. Diz Life Podcast is brought to you by the Happiness is Addictive Collection. Happiness is Addictive is passionate about spreading laughter and creating smiles worldwide. They love bringing their global community together through optimism, cheer, hopefulness, merriment, and celebrating life's magical moments. They know how important it is to celebrate life's adventures, and their apparel will give you everlasting, one-of-a-kind memories through pixie-dusted family photos, compliments from park guests, and magical moments with cast members. They pride themselves on high-quality, custom-made apparel at competitive prices with world-class service. Let them help you create a lifetime of memories, whether you're Disney-bounding, kicking it poolside, participating in Run Disney Marathons, having costumed adventures, or just living your best Disney life. You can find their Happiness is Addictive shop on Etsy. You can also find them on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Pinterest. They are proud to be featured in Indie Central Florida, the Thoughtful Gift Club, and now here on Diz Life Podcast. Their collection was founded by a 15-year former cast member who knows how to enhance your magical moments for a lifetime of memories with your family. Don't forget to use promo code DISLIFE15 to take an extra 15% off. What are you waiting for? Head over to Etsy and start getting happy today. Follow the link in our show notes and you'll find out for yourself that happiness is addictive.